Grace be unto you this evening, and peace from God through our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who hath begotten us again to a lively hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's good to be here this evening. Sunshine, and uh, it's going to be a little dry here this evening. I believe it hasn't rained today, and it's not raining now. And so uh, we look forward to have a good time. This tent is a little bit more holy than righteous, and we'll see that when it rains. Trust we'll get some more rain, maybe this weekend, I don't know. But it's good to be here in the house of the Lord again. And I trust this evening that you brought God with you. If you came here this evening with any other intentions but to worship, tonight we are here, as the brothers said, to worship God. You know, we have different aspects and different ordinances of the church. We have baptism, we have marriage, and so forth. And the thing of it is, when we come together, it's not just my day when I get married. And I've already got the young people getting married, they probably think. No, that's not it. But the thing of it is, that it is a time of worship. It is not my day. It is a day of celebration. It is a day of celebrating God. And I believe as we go through this world, we need to understand when we come together, and when we are in our presence and our prayer closet, that we are together to worship God. We worship God. And when we come together in this manner, we bring him together collectively. The Bible says that we are, to, we are to encourage one another so much more as we see the day approaching. Forsake not times like this. Tonight I'm encouraged to see the young people up front here. And this is not just the message for the young people tonight. I'd like to share a little bit of something a little bit more infinite. Make imminent. Intimate. Intimate. Okay. If I can get it out of my Dutch tongue. Maybe a little bit more intimate Thursday night. I'd like to share a little bit of something for the young people Thursday night as well. Tonight is just a little bit of foretaste of that. But it's a blessing to be here and see young people. My heart is warm to young people. It's to all souls. But for young people growing up through adolescence, there's a lot of pressures and a lot of struggles. There's a lot of things that you face. There's temptations and things. A young man, the Bible says in Psalm 119, I believe it's in verse 9, it says, that a young man cleanse his ways. Cleanse his ways. And the thing of it is, we are made of passions, young men. And that is something that God has given to us. But it is something I do believe that God wants us to control. He's given us that power through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of things that young sisters have to battle with. And that is the thing of vanity. And you know, I understand as we... As we grow up, I realize that there are even older sisters that have a problem with vanity. And, you know, even us men have a problem with vanity. We like nice things. We like to accumulate things. We like significance. Women like security and things like that. And so, thank you, brother. And so we have times when we, have, we are created different but very unique. I was blessed tonight as we was here. And the night I see that there was young people here that had an interest in the Lord. And the thanks of God. And if tonight I am impressed that you don't have your cell phones out and that you're on technology, social media, and texting. There are times I get up in meetings and I can normally tell if somebody is watching their phone, following the Bible, or if they're doing social media. Because if it's social media or texting, they're always going like this. And if they're watching with, for the Bible, they're reading it. And I understand that. But I like to see Bibles open. And I don't know how you feel here in the Shenandoah Valley, but that's the way that I believe that God is going to be the best honored. Is it wrong to have a cell phone or a pad to follow along? I don't believe it is. But if we have the Word open, 
and we look at it, I believe there's something of identification there. It's something of connection. There's something, the Word of God, it's, it's right there before us. Maybe I'm from the old school. You probably say I am, and that's okay. But I like to see young people that are interested. The Bible says in Psalm 85, he says, Wilt thou not revive us again? In verse 9, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? We live in a time today when the church of Jesus Christ and a lot of young people are affected by it. It is a black cloud over the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry to say it, everywhere I go, it doesn't matter where it is, my friends, there are church struggles, there are things that are happening within the congregations that should never be named under heaven and earth. It should never be named of Christians. And it's happening, and it's discouraging young people. But let me tell you, dear young people tonight, take courage. You know, you are not just the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. You know, there's a lot of people that say that our young people and children are the church of tomorrow, but you are the church of today. You are part of us, and we need to do things to break down that thing of what we call generation gaps between us. You know, last evening there were some young people that asked this old phobia here and my wife and little daughter to go out for a snack after church, and I was elated. I was honored. It was like, you know, I thought I was always a young married man, my wife and I, but here I'm about 60 years old, and I wonder why no young people ever ask us to go anywhere. And you know, when young people ask us to go somewhere with them, we were very happy. We were very elated. And you know, it's a blessing to be able to bridge that gap and enjoy young people and trust that they can enjoy you. Sometimes young people, I believe, they feel like that they are somehow supposed to follow in a rigid way the paths of the old men and women, which is a good thing. The Bible says that we are not to forsake the landmarks and, and, and cast them down, but we are to build upon those things, good traditions, and we are to follow them. But we need to give our young people hope, hope in Jesus Christ. The church is alive and doing well. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16 that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. Why? Because Jesus Christ will build his church. Jesus Christ is building his church, and you can be a part of it. I like to see this segregation. I have to talk to Jordan afterwards a little bit. But anyway, I like to see this, the segregation here tonight of the young people. It causes less distraction. Now, when we get, when we're together as, as couples, it's almost like something we have, we sit together in our own congregation at home as couples, families, our young people sit separate. But I understand, Jordan. I understand. Last evening, I was, I was blessed by a young man that came up to me. The first evening, we had the message on revival and what that really means. The second evening, we had on repentance. And last evening, on forgiveness. There's no way that we can forgive from our heart without having repentance. And my friend, this young man told me that he was a Christian. He had, he had given his life to the Lord. And there was about a couple years after he'd done that, the Lord convicted him one night that there's people that he needs to go and make things right. And I want to tell you, my dear friends, tonight, the young people, you think that you can come to the Lord, and you know that you know we, we think that we can just name the name of Jesus Christ and everything's going to be okay, and that's fine. But, my friends, let me tell you that repentance is only a game without restitution. And this young man was convicted during the night that he's got four people in his life that he needs to go and make things right. And it wasn't until he went to make those things right that he had peace. He had peace. And that is such a victory, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. He can wash those sins away. 
And my friends, if we could just humble ourselves, it takes humility to repent and humble ourselves and have restitution. We don't want the shame of restitution. We don't want to go back to our neighbor and say, you know what, I did some damage to your property. We don't want to go back to the store owner and say, you know what, I stole something from your store many years ago. We just take what we repent that everything's going to be good and everything's going to be fine. Let me tell you, my friends, God is not mocked. If we sin, it is going to stand before us. And unless we make things right, we're going to hell. We have the opportunity, the Bible says in Corinthians, today is accepted day. Today is the day of salvation. Right now, today is the time that we make restitution. We repent. Tonight I'd like to share, you can turn your Bibles if you'd like to, to Daniel chapter 1. And I'd like to share there about a character in the Bible named Daniel. And the message, if you want to title the message, it will be that of excellence. It'll be that of excellence tonight. I'd like to share on excellence to our young people tonight. I realize that we are not perfect. We make mistakes and so forth as God's people and especially as young people. And I trust that we have patience with our young people as much as we've had others had patience with us when we were growing up. In Daniel chapter 1, it says in verse 8, this was the time when they were taken captive, and it says that now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Misha. That he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor would he, it says, Drink of the wine that the king does. Therefore, he requested of the prince, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he may not defile himself. Tonight, I'd like to have us all be challenged with the fact that we also can have an excellent spirit. And you know, there's times when you get in situations and something happens to you that you just wonder, oh my, why did I respond the way I do? I just thought I had an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit is something that is not going to be a man coming from a man or a woman that is perfect, but a man or a woman, young boy, young girl, that is blameless. Blameless, what I mean by that, if there is a wrong, that they're going to be hit up by it so hard that they cannot rest until they've got it taken care of. That's an excellent spirit. That is, that is living without reproach. That is living blameless. We all make mistakes. But if we're truly born again, my friends, let me tell you, we're going to make things right when we know that they're wrong. Tonight, I'd also like to turn our attention to uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Daniel chapter 6, 1 through 4. And it says here, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over those three presidents of whom Daniel was first, and the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find none occasion to fall, nor to fault him. Forasmuch as he was faithful, neither was there any error found or fault found in him. My friends, this evening, if you are willing 
You know, any time that you're willing to go all the way with the Lord, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be a cost. There may be some young person or older person sitting here tonight that's not willing to go all the way because of what's going to cost us. It's going to cost us something. Why, Lord Jesus Christ is one who went all the way to Calvary. What did it cost him? It cost him his life. It cost him everything. He was the only begotten Son of God. It was only through that perfect sacrifice made as a propitiation for us that God's anger and wrath could be appeased because of man's sin. And he was willing to suffer and die for us. My friends, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. You as a young person, you stand for something You've got a cost to pay. There's going to come people against you. Let me tell you, it's not going to be easy. But it's the best life to live. Don't be fearful of excelling. Excelling for the glory of the Lord. Excel is the root word of excellence. Excelling. You know, young people often challenge us older ones. There was this pastor that was sitting in his study one day. And his teenage son came into the office and he said, Daddy, could I drive the family car? These are things that young people hit us up with as older ones sometimes. And Daddy said, uh, let me tell you this much. He said, if you get your uh, lessons up in school, you, uh, you get your grades back up where they're supposed to be, and you, get, uh, you go to Sunday school every Sunday and you get a haircut, maybe we can come in and talk, you can come in and talk to me about it again. And so... Uh, Several months passed, and finally the young boy comes back into Daddy in the office, and he said, uh, Daddy, what about uh, considering letting me drive the family car? Have you thought about it? And Daddy said, well, you know, you've got your grades up, and you do come to Sunday school, but you haven't gotten a haircut. And the boy said, you know, I've given that a lot of thought the last few months. And he said, uh, Moses and Elijah and maybe even perhaps Jesus had long hair. And Daddy just paused a while, and he finally said, uh, you know what? They did maybe, but everywhere they went, they walked. And so the thing of it is, this is just exactly what happens. Young people, they hit us up sometimes. We don't hardly know. We've got to stay on top. Not that we have to get the best of them, but it's interesting what they come up with. And they help us keep us on our toes. Help to keep us on our toes. And that's what we need that. It's not that they want to be rebellious, I don't believe. Tonight, I trust there's not one young person sitting here tonight that truly wants to be rebellious. If you do, that's a terrible state to be in. There was a time in my life that I was willingly rebellious. And that's not a good feeling. It's a horrible feeling. You don't feel good about yourself. And when you don't feel good about yourself, you're going to make, try to make everything worse for everybody else around you. And that's just the way it is. When I was 17, I could go through my testimony tonight of my life, but I won't. But that was 40 years ago. I remember I was at a place one night at a concert, and I'll just share that. I shouldn't have been there. It was against my, par my parents' wishes. My mom would lay awake and pray for me at night. And she often wouldn't go to sleep until I came home. I was in this place, and I was recruited I was recruited for show business in Hollywood, and I had the choice to make in a few days if I would go, the producer would take care of everything, and I was in a stage of life where I was willing to throw everything in the towel, and I think it was that very thing that God, I needed that to shake me to my core. I struggled that night, the whole night long, I struggled with the fact 
that I'm going to have to run away to get away from mom and dad to go do this thing. My friend, let me tell you, the world has lots to offer, a lot of glit and glitter, but they have nothing to give. And you know, I struggle with that and not even knowing the Lord. And God spared me, hallelujah. Today, I could be dead, who knows? But I have a nice family. I love the Lord and God has used me. And you know, I just praise God for that. I have a remorse for those things. It is a daily thing that the sin is ever before me. But I'm thankful tonight that I can have peace and I can have freedom because I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes there's things, if you are on the brink, my friends, tonight as young people, and you don't know exactly what you're going to do, the world looks pretty good to you. My friends, you know, it's not... It's not that the world looks that enticing, but you lose the love for mom and daddy and the things of home. And when that happens, my friend, the world is going to be speaking to you. They've got a lot of things for you. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The things of the world are the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And these things are not of God, but they are from the world. And you know, if we love the world, my friends, those things are going to have a hankering on us. I don't care if you're 16 tonight or if you're 65. It doesn't matter. We can be sitting here and we can be dressed as plain as we want to, but we can have world in our hearts. World in our hearts. But I'll tell you what, God spared me, and I'm so grateful for that. But the words excel in excellence and excelleth and so forth is found some 60 times in the Bible. If you would really look in the Bible... How many times it speaks about excel or excellence, there's more than I even realize. A lot more. God is excellent, and He wants His people to be excellent. He wants them to excel. Not that we're going to be these perfect people without sin, but we're going to excel. It means to abound, you know, in the work of the Lord. Have you ever looked in the Bible and the epistles, like in Ephesians, different places? There is nothing in there about subtracting. It's nothing in there about dividing and so forth except dividing the word of truth and looking at the word of truth and dividing and comparing scripture with scripture. But it's always got to do with adding and multiplying. There is no end. You know, the thing of it is, when you become born again and when you want to serve the Lord in excellence as Daniel did and not defile yourself with a portion of the king's meat or this world, what they have to offer, there's going to be exceedingly abundantly great things for you the bible says in ephesians chapter 3 verse 22 in 20 in verse 20 it says that exceedingly he will do those things exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think there is there is no limit you know the christian life is not static you know either we're growing or we're declining we're either going backwards or we're moving forward there's there's no place of staticness in the lord in the lord's work we never reach a plateau. And I trust tonight that we as young people will not come to a place where we think we've attained now somehow. We're just good enough now. But we need to continue, add, multiply, exceedingly, abundantly, above everything and all that we ask or think. God does that. You know the thing of it is, the human mind, there's only about a 15% of what we have, the gray matter that we really use. But we want to be careful tonight when we talk about excellence and excelling for the glory of God, that it is for the glory of God and not to make a show. I believe the person that truly is excelling for the glory of God is going to be a very humble person. A very humble person. 
God picks you up from where you are tonight. You say, well, where do I start? Right here, just as I am without one plea. Tonight you start right here. It doesn't matter where you're at. You know the Bible, I, the way I look at my Heavenly Father, He doesn't care exactly where you're at. As long as you start following Him. Amen? Amen. As soon as you give your life to the Lord, you're a saint. How many of you young people want to be saints? Are you saints? Praise the Lord. I see hands. Praise God. You don't have to be 50 or 60 years old to be a saint. If you're blood washed, your sins are on the blood of Jesus Christ, you're a saint. Hallelujah. You ever thought about that? That gives us an invigoration. That gives us hope. Oh, I'm this naughty young person. Somehow I have to follow the name that I've got. No. Excel. Get out of it. There's grace. There's grace. 2 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, According to His divine power, He has given us all things, all things that pertaineth unto life and godliness. It says, Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby we are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises, and by these ye may be partakers of what? His divine nature. Divine nature. Young person, you can have a divine nature. Wow. Oh, I'm ashamed to excel. I'm, ex I'm ashamed. What if I mess up? Let me tell you, my friends. Humble excellence. Humble excellence is when you allow your mistakes to shape you into a living testimony of God's grace. Our congregation, I often say this way, that uh, we, we probably are, are careful not to use our young brethren too quick, but when a young brother is going the right way, he, he does, uh, we know he wants to, like the Sunday night we had a young man, just a very young man having devotions in our service Sunday evening, and he did well, he did well. I, I was very blessed. And, you know, we could sit back and say, you know, I can't do it good enough. What if I mess up? My peers are going to laugh at me. But you know what? If you truly want to excel in the things of God, young person, allow your mistakes to mold you and shape you into the perfect image of God's grace. He will do that. And we as older ones, we have the grace and we have the compassion for young people that mess up because we mess up. But we, they're supposed to overlook it when we do. But when they do, how is it? How is it? We are to be wise, but with godly wisdom. The Apostle Paul said in Corinthians, uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 9, he says, I would have you wise unto that which is good and godly. And simple concerning the things that are evil. I'm not saying that we need to have our heads in the sand with a lot of things that are going on in this world, uh, but we don't need to be wise in all the evil that is about us. We don't need to be wise in all of that. Um, well, you say, I, I can't really excel for the things of God the way I'd like to because somehow somebody's going to criticize me. And you know, criticism is something that uh, we will get 
uh, whether we do something or if we do nothing. Criticism uh, is something that you can avoid. You can avoid criticism by what? By saying nothing, by doing nothing, and by being nothing. You can avoid criticism. But there's no merit and there's no, no and nobility in being ignorant and stubborn. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, 13, he says, I can do all things through Christ. Remember that, through Christ who strengthens me. God is not interested so much in how much we can do or how much we can achieve as he is in how much effort we put forth. And I'm not talking about being superior in academics necessarily and so forth. Uh, I know the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Uh, but there's no merit in being ignorant as well. So when we look at God's endless possibilities, in Colossians, it says in chapter 2, verse 3, in whom are hid all the treasures in him. Are you willing to seek out the treasures? You know, treasures of wisdom and knowledge, tapping into God's unlimited resources, unlimited resources, maybe scary, maybe scary, but the more that we know, I understand the more accountable we're going to be. But, you know, you see, we occupy ourselves with things that are going to do good in the service of the Lord for yourself, your family, your church, um, and it will become evident. What about your free time? By exercising yourself in peculiar things, you are showing God and others, there are these things are the things that I wish to grow in, excel in, your pursuits. Your affections, what are your affections? Have they been nailed to the cross? Your value system. As a young person, you're, you're developing habits now, and as you grow older, those habits are going to direct your lives. They're going to direct your lives. So be careful with the habits that you the, uh, decide on, and they mold you. Be careful with that. The effectiveness, and I'll be open for correction on this. This is something I wrote down here. It says, the effectiveness of a believer is directly proportional to the believer's values. The effectiveness of a believer is directly proportional to the believer's values. Daniel purposed in his heart. He shaped his character. I believe he had character before he was in that situation, but it was something that gave him uh, the grace and the strength. <laughs> To stand. Do you think that God is satisfied where you're at in your life? Uh, if you are, is your life experiencing all that God has for you? We don't know. Maybe, maybe not. If God sees that you're satisfied or interested in just the carnal things of life, you know what? He'll leave you there. He'll leave you there. If he sees you're interested in spiritual matters, then he will expand your borders he will expand your horizons and understanding and perception the more that we are faithful and obedient to the things we know the more God is going to give to us it's going to make a difference with our friends it's going to make a difference in our church and so forth when you choose friends do you choose friends that are going to build you up are you going to choose friends that are just going to kind of uh, help you stay exactly where you're at? To choose friends that will actually stretch us, they will actually stretch our character, 
Do we want that? If you desire to have an excellent spirit and excel in the things of God, then you will be looking for friendship that's going to help. And that will be in cross-gender, in boyfriend-girlfriend. It will be with your friends, with the, the brethren and the sisters. It will be with those that will stretch you in, uh, in uh, your capacities and your capabilities and so forth. How about your friendship? The close friends you have, do they pull you down? Do they encourage you? Are, they, are you drawn to excellence when you're around them? There is such a thing with uh, peer pressure in young people, especially, I, I do believe. There's also peer pressure in older people. But the peer pressure of young people sometimes, we, we've probably all seen it already where there's these little clicks here and there. And You want to be a friend to this person, but since they're a friend to that person, I'm not really going to be close to them. And, and then there's those friends that you have so tight wrapped around your finger that they can't even breathe. And one day we had this bird that come up to our deck and you put feet in your hand, you reach your hand out and that bird would eat off your hand. And that was a pleasant experience, pleasant relationship. It's what friendship is. But one day I had a cage ready for that bird. I got that cage all ready for that bird, and I thought, well, one day when the time is just right, I'll get him. I'll get him. One day that bird, I had the cage ready, and I was going to put him in there. That bird come up there, and he ate out of my hand. This was in Iowa when we lived in Iowa. Beautiful, beautiful time. It was beautiful, but I wanted him in the house. I wanted him inside. And that's the way friendships are sometimes. They want to captivate you and put you in a cage. Friendship is freedom, my friends, but it is loyalty. One day, that bird sat on my hand, and I went, <coughs> you know what? He was gone. And you know what? He never came back. If you have friends like that, I would ask you to seek other friends. If a friendship has got you in clutches, I'm not talking about loyalty. I think confidentiality and loyalty are very important. As young people especially, that starts young. We need that because when confidentiality and trust is broken, it's hard to build back, and it gives people paranoia, and they don't want to enter into that type of relationship again. That bird, I'm sure, probably never did sit on somebody's hand again. But I had the cage ready. I was going to close it when he was inside. He's my bird. Mine. How many times do young people in relationships get into something like that? Have you ever been a victim of that? Have you ever done it to someone else? If you have those tendencies, repent. Friendship is freedom. There's nothing better than have a friend that you see as friends with others. And there is no threat. Okay? I'm not saying the David and Jonathan relationship. There are times when there is a closer relationship with a person, uh, two people, than there is with the others. But friendship is freedom. And I believe Jonathan gave David all the freedom in the world he wanted. And vice versa. But they were friends. Their hearts were knit together. But there was freedom there. There was freedom there.
to excel. Surround yourself with people who are going to challenge you, stir you up to greater levels to exercise your gifts. People of very, very unfortunate circumstances have challenged us. We think of the man or the woman that was blind and she comprised a bunch of songs. Who was that? Fanny Crosby. There was a young lad that grew up in Detroit, Michigan without a father. His mother raised him. He became a surgeon. Who was that? Ben Carson. Lock him up in a prison to write songs. You have Beethoven. Cripple him. He becomes a paraplegic. He, he's in a wheelchair. And you have Roosevelt. Write him off as retarded, uneducable. You have Albert Einstein. Beat him up with stripes on their backs. Throw him in prison and they sing praises at midnight. Paul and Silas. These people were given lemons in life. Have you ever been given a lemon? What do we do with the lemons in life? What have I done with the lemons in life? It's not always been lemonade. Last night we sang Brighten the Corner Where You Are. And there are times when we think, you know, Pastor, my life has just not been very perfect. And there's just, I don't know how you expect I'm going to excel. Excel. How are we going to excel? Are you satisfied in your comfort zone? Tonight, I would like to put that challenge out to all of us, not just our young people. There are so many times when our young people... You know, we look to the young people. If there's a mission project, if there's a cast program, if there's some work to do somewhere in storm cleanup, we look to the young people. Well, they can go. That is true. I understand our young people are vigorous, they're strong, and so forth. And the elder ones probably have more work to do at home and, and so on. But it is discouraging to young people when they are sent to do that type of work and they don't really feel the support of the older ones. And I'm not saying that's the way it is here, but I'm saying there's a possibility. If you want your young people to follow the faith that's been passed down to you, then we need to be an example to them. I'm just talking plain tonight. Let's make sure that we are rattled out of our comfort zone, that we don't become too comfortable here in this life. Whatsoever you do, young person, in word or deed, do it all to the glory of the Lord. Now, in the thing of excelling, we want to be careful that we do not step over people and have people in our trail behind us to get where we want to go. I believe an excelling person is a humble person. I believe that he is not going to be expressing and manifesting in himself haughty spirit and so forth in the process of excelling because he's doing it for the glory of the Lord. And you say sometimes, well, maybe I, don't, you, I really don't know what God has for me. And that is a question I often hear from young people. I often hear that. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, it says there that we are, you know, I don't know how to answer that to young people. 
I don't have the answer for you. But I do know one thing. The, the very first thing that we are to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And it says our neighbor, it says as ourself. We do those things. I believe those are the foremost things as young people to do when they come, become born again. And then God will actually put the stepping stones in front of them. Don't try to open and push doors open. They will come to you excelling. You know, the thing of it is, you say, well, I, I'm not sure what I should do. Uh, picture the scenario, two friends are graduating. Uh, one goes to be a missionary over in India, and the other is a successful businessman. Both get the announcement of a class reunion. While comparing their lives, it would be easy for the missionary to think that he's been a failure. He's never really made any money. And the, for the businessman, he'll be sitting there and say, you know, I feel bad. I've got all this money, but I don't know what it is to be a missionary. I've never led a soul to Christ. But maybe he has through his working. I don't know. Neither, neither do we judge. But both need to clear the hurdle, I do believe, of comparison. Comparing ourselves among ourselves are not wise. We need to be stimulated by others. And it needs to... Uh, draw us closer to God by others' lives and so forth. True excellence and also achievement for each other is for listening and obeying the voice of the Lord when he says, follow me. There are, believe, I do believe there are businessmen that just because they are not a missionary in India or in China, that they are actually serving the Lord where they're at. And they're successful and if they're doing it for the glory of the Lord, they're excelling in the gift that God. See, the thing of it is, all of us have been given talents. We often say, well, God has given us gifts. That may be true. That may be true. But you know what? If he's given a worldling a, a gift, a gift is something to give away. He's given us all talents. That's the way I look at it. And when we become born again, those talents become consecrated under the blood of Jesus Christ. And they become gifts to the church, not gifts we don't keep. A talent is something you can use to glorify yourself. You could be a singer somewhere off in, on a stage somewhere singing, bringing glory to yourself. But you consecrate that to the Lord and you bring it into the church as a gift. You know what a gift is for? To give it away. Very few world people that just give it away because it hurts. The pride of life. It hurts to give it away. It's mine. It's a talent that God gave me. He gave some of you one, three, five, ten, who knows. But let's be sure that we're doing the best with what he gave us as a gift back to the church. It's not our own. The talents that God has given you, they are made for gifts. And they're not gifts until they are consecrated under the blood of Jesus Christ and given back to the church. That's what it's for. Excel for the glory of the Lord. You know, I think of, of people uh, getting high education. What is the motive for that? And I'm not against high education if there's a, an objective, if there is a purpose, a mission for that. Uh, but if it's just to uh, see how many letters that we can have in front of our name, uh, that probably isn't the best motivation. What is our desires? See how you ought to walk and to please God so he would abound in you more and more. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 I believe a lot of energy is wasted 
in our congregation in trying to keep feelings reconciled, trying to keep people from becoming addicted to social media, to the prince of the power of the air, as you please, Ephesians 2 2. Try to clean up, and we're giving the devil mileage like you wouldn't believe it. You know what? That's discouraging to young people. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He will define the way for us, for we make him, him, him our number one. The devil sits back and he laughs. He laughs. Well, you say, preacher, don't, don't make it so hard for us. The little boy was up at the chalkboard, and he looked back at the teacher, and he told the teacher, he said that, uh, I'm not an underachiever, you're an over-expector. I don't believe that your pastors or parents are over-expectors as young people. I think they want the best for you. And there is so much potential sitting here tonight, and I am so encouraged. I could just, uh, yeah, I'm blessed by it. And so I trust that you will find your way to serve God to the best of your knowledge and understanding. And as you make that your first priority, and then we will be ready to delve into Thursday evening, perhaps. And it doesn't stop there, but it will continue on through life. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, it says that God knows that he has plans for you, okay? I have a plan for you, for he declareth, he declareth the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And so what are some of the things that we can excel in? Well, the excellent book is the Bible. You've heard that many times. We study 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, to study to show, our show, show, our, show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that must not be ashamed. Dividing the word of truth. You know, the thing of it is, we have the word of God. Character building, character building is so very important. And you know what? It starts now. It starts now as a young person. When you get 40 and 50 years old, it becomes harder and harder to break the old habits. It's very hard. I forget the percentage of those that come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ evening after 30 years old. This percentage is very small. Is it possible? Yes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit is powerful. Reading the Bible. Encouraging one another. Being available. You may not have all the abilities like some people do, but exercise what you've got. You know, I've heard the statement one time. I think I have it in, uh, got it from my CPA. He has it in his office. He says, abilities are like, like tax deductions. You either use them or you lose them. Abilities. You say, well, really, I just don't have a whole lot of abilities, so I won't exercise myself in the ways. The thing of it is, we only use a small percent of our brain capacity. A small percent. Very few use 40%. Very few. Maybe some proteges. But about 15% is about all we use. And you're young. You can memorize you can memorize. When I was young, I remember I, I memorized page after page. And now it becomes harder and harder. Excel in the things of God.
that ye may be able to prove all things and the things that are excellent. Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Read the scriptures and prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. And as Daniel, purpose in your heart not to defile yourself with the portion of the king's meat. Prove yourself faithful in little things, and God will show you more. Let's all stand as young people, all of us. Let's sing the song, We've Got the Power. Let's bow our heads for prayer. As we come before you to close of this service, Lord, we thank you again for being faithful to us. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us examples in the word. We thank you of Daniel, as we shared this evening. Also thank of Joseph and others that were very faithful to you in spite of their circumstances, Lord. Tonight, I don't know what the circumstances are of these young people, but I know that you do. And you've created them, Father, before the foundation of the world, Father, to bring glory to you with purpose and grace. You've created them for such a time as this. And I pray tonight that you would make each one a desirous heart to fulfill what you have for them. That they would desire to follow you with their utmost ability. With everything they've got. That they would be intentional and not just lackadaisy. But intentional about serving you and wanting to please you. Not just to obey, but to please you, O oh God. That you might breathe the odors of the fragrance from their lives. And that the world could see, wherever they go, that you would be exalted. And you would be praised because of their life. Their life would be as a fragrance wafting through this community in Shenandoah Valley. First of all, here in Jerusalem. And as they go forth in Samaria and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world. Father, we don't know where you've got these young people going. But we know you do. You knew their lives, Father, from the beginning. And you knew their lives in the end. Lord, I pray a special blessing and anointing upon their lives. Would you bless them in a special way. And we're going to close this meeting tonight with heads bowed. In the name of Jesus, we pray.